You're the greatest movie of all time, Harry. Today on the show, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me Welcome, everybody, to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the British Bulldog, Rick Barrasso. And I, your co-host, Rick and the and the Sorcerer's Dekboski. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> we're going to watch like... every single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. And today we have a very special returning guest to the show, my wife, giant Potterhead, Jen Barrasso. How is Hello. everyone doing this morning? Doing well. Awesome. Excellent. Glad to hear it. So yeah, like we said, we're uh, starting our journey to Hogwarts uh, with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone today, or Philosopher's Stone, if you please. But let's take care of some business first. Last week, we talked about Green Book. We opened the Green Book, and it was a fun episode. Uh, it was an interesting episode. A lot of um, a lot of things we had to discuss on that one. So check that one out, or any of our library on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use. Subscribe and review if you can. It's extremely helpful for the show. And if you enjoyed that one, or if you have anything else you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook at great movie cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and rec on Instagram. And you can always shoot us an email at greatest at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our old friend from wizard boarding school, Bruce Wayne would say, it's a fair chance. Bruce Wayne was at Hogwarts at some point. Tell your friends about us. But now you think, you think the Waynes sent Bruce to Hogwarts. I, no, no, no. I think after Bruce Wayne's parents were killed. Did, did you realize Bruce Wayne's parents were killed? I think that's been covered in maybe one movie. Um, I, think, I, feel like, I feel like nowadays every main character's parents are dead. <laughs> well, I mean, Disney's been doing it since fucking 1930. So, and yeah, it, it's just hero's journey, basically. Uh, but I, I, I think it's a fair, I mean, Bruce Wayne learned magic because there are magical users in the, in the, DC universe. So, okay. Well, let me ask you this: Who would win in a fight, Batman at his strongest, or Voldemort? Hmm. Well, I think we the thing we have to know about Voldemort is that he's pretty much failed at everything he's ever attempted. Like compared to other like Dark Lords and like major villains, Voldemort couldn't even like take over a school. That's true. You're, you're right about that. He could not take over that school. And like he couldn't beat a bunch of 11-year-olds. Well, Batman is a non-magical entity. He needs to be like within a certain range to even he, be effective in this equation. But he's so the ultimate I feel winner. like Voldemort might have the upper hand in that. Do we, do we, think, Vol, do we think Voldemort could defeat Dumbledore one-on-one? Um, no. Because we, we, we saw a brief fight, and it was an awesome fight in one of the later movies. I think it was like, what, Phoenix? Really cool fight. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I, I think he'd be more likely to like fight dirty. Like Dumbledore would fight by the rules of of dueling. Right. And here's, Voldemort would not. So Voldemort would basically bite his ear off if he could. Yeah, but here's, <laughs> I, I think Voldemort's nature is basically that he will what he will fail. Like he will trip over his own feet. Right. Like he I mean that's kind of the thing like going back to Batman like Dumbledore is kind of like the ultimate planner in the Harry Potter universe and Batman is kind of that in the DC universe whereas Voldemort is just like what can I do like to I just like let's just be immortal and we'll figure it out from there like just get I me immortal I feel like you're kind of undercutting him a little bit here I like disagree. he obviously was uh well organized enough to take over like earlier on obviously like he was defeated but he had to get there in the first place i'm sure they'll get to it in the the uh fantastic beast series eventually so we'll see how that occurred but we're not talking about that we are talking about harry potter and the the sorcerer's stone or philosopher's stone whatever you want to call it depending on where you are uh it is a 2001 fantasy movie Directed by Christopher Columbus, stars Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, Emma Watson as Hermione Granger, Rupert Grint as Ron Weasley, Richard Harris as Albus Dumbledore, Tom Felton as Draco Malfoy, Ellen Rickman as Severus Snape, Maggie Smith as Minerva McGonagall, and the rest of the country of England and other in other assorted roles. It made $1.007 billion on a $125 million budget has a 7.6 on the Internet Movie Database, an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 65 on Metacritic. 65? 65. Metacritic gave That's it a D. Right. Metacritic gave it a D. <laughs> yeah. Ebert, four out of four stars. During Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, I was pretty sure I was watching a classic, one that will be around for a long time and make many generations of fans. Accurate. Todd McCarthy from Variety says a near-perfect commercial and cultural commodity. For a negative one, Peter Rayner from from New York Magazine says the filmmakers want to show us a magical world that is, at the same time, wholly believable. They want to create matter-of-fact miracles, but what they end up with is mostly just plain matter-of-fact. So... Okay. I love how critics sometimes just, like, talk themselves in circles. Like, what do those words mean? Yeah, what Here's did he just say? Here's the thing, and we'll we'll get to this. I wonder because this comes out the same year as Fellowship of the Ring, yep. around the same time. So a I'm month, wondering a month away, yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering if some of these critics saw both of these movies and couldn't help compare them. Comparing, yeah, yeah. And I think I like this movie, but I think it's pretty clearly not the best of the series, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. I think Lord of the Rings being an, just an epic adventure and like coming out basically fully formed, whereas this series kind of had to evolve into what it would become. Yeah, that's how All I feel right. about it. There's def- some definite reasons why sure. this is one of the weaker films of the series. Sure. And it's, I mean, they're working on you know different, you can only adapt a book that is meant for chill like this series evolves so much both the book series and the film series that yeah this stuff this movie doesn't have the best stuff in it but let's let's talk about maybe 
instead of when we first saw this movie, what, what are our experiences with the series with Harry Potter as a phenomenon as a whole? Like Jen, when did you first read or hear of Harry Potter? I first read it when it first came out and I don't actually remember being as into it when it first came out. I I read the first, I think four or five, and then I didn't read the last few until I was a little bit older, like uh, high school age. I went back and read them and then I read them again as an adult. And that's when I really decided that I kind of loved them. (laughs) All right. Derek, how about you? Um, well, I definitely saw the first one when it first came out, um, and I enjoyed it. And then I watched them all as they came out. So I was pretty caught up, which was good. And Gia, my wife, is really into them. I, I don't think – she might be more into it than me, but I'm still very into it. Like, I'm a big fan of Harry Potter, and I always have been. And we actually took our tests very we, – we take our tests every chance we get in every – a category so we can make sure that we know what house we're in and Gia is absolutely a Hufflepuff and I'm absolutely a Slytherin which is pretty hilarious but yeah I'm a big fan I always have been I like the movies I have like you know I've made lists of like which you know which ones are better than the others like which one you know in order yeah and uh what else not have pegged you as a Slytherin yeah it's kind of weird every time I take a test I'm a Slytherin so I'm like okay um yeah I, but Jen has described me once as the Hufflest puff to ever puff so <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny. You know those um, – there's these things. I think I ch- uh, told you about it, Rick. It's those things on YouTube you can go to. It's like if you want to like – you know, look like look at a fire on your screen when people are over and they can make the mood cool. Like YouTube has like cool fires and like yeah. we found these cafes that like – it's like a jazz cafe and you can just chill and there's like a cool cafe and there's some jazz playing. We found Hogwarts ones where it's just Hogwarts classrooms in different parts of the castle that are on loop for 24 hours and it has like really cool Harry Potter music and Gia found the Slytherin common room and she's like that is your room and I was like that is <laughs> definitely my room. It's so dreary and dark and there's a like green and like a fire and I'm like ooh this is very – but um, yeah, we're both big fans. I actually, when I did work for a 3D printing company, I did print several wands, uh, which was really fun. I, I made Voldemort's wand, but I didn't realize that I didn't adjust it properly. And it's really small. It's <laughs> kind of funny. But we did, Gia did paint it and we had fun with that. So, um, And then the last bit of my spiel is that when I was unemployed for a long period of time, after being laid off, I decided to read the audiobooks or listen to the audiobooks. And I got up to five. So I did one through five and I had a jolly good time doing that. Listening to Jim Dale is really fun. So, and Jen, just for completion, your house is. Oh, my house. See, I self-identify as a, as a Gryffindor, but I think, you know, if I was to take the test, I'd probably end up in Ravenclaw. I'm just a Gryffindor in my heart, which makes me a Gryffindor. Mm. All right. So if you, if you, if the hat was on top of you, you're like, Gryffindor, Gryffindor. He's like, I don't know. It seems like you're a Ravenclaw. So I cast the voice of the, I recast the voice of the sorting hat. So I, yeah, because it just made me laugh to think of it. So um, my, for for me, I came to the series very late. Like I, when when the book started first gaining popularity um, in, in America, my Anthony, my younger brother, former guest in the show started reading it. And because of that, in my, you know, nine-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old head, whatever it was, was like, that's for babies. So Hmm. I went a long time without reading it or watching any of the movies or anything like that, being kind of generally aware of it. And it was actually Jen. Talking badly about it. 
yeah. without having watched it or read it. Yeah, no, I did that. And yeah, uh, yeah and Jen made me watch it. And uh, I eventually read the books. And it's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. But it's a, very, it's, it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting uh, fantasy story. It, it's unlike the others, I feel like. It just comes from a different place. And that's kind of why I think I like it. It's just, it's just not Lord of the Rings. It's not Game of Thrones. It's not Star Wars. It's just something different. And I'm still a J.K. Rowling fan, regardless of what's going on with her. But I think that her imagination is spectacular. I mean, and I think it's definitely one of those situations where I, I have to separate the mm. artist from the work. Sure. Yeah. And I, I used to be very pro J.K. Rowling until I found out, you know more of the later stuff that came out about her either right. die here or live long enough to see yourself become the villain as another movie would say yeah uh, yeah jk rowling's uh views on trans women and trans people in general uh are antiquated to be very generous so i mean and 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 what what sort of is, is most upsetting about it to me is how counter her views are to the views of the character in her work. Yes. Um, Let me ask you this. Was she asked her opinion or did she just give it on Twitter? There was a major story in England about a trans person. And she was like, well, I got to give my thoughts on this. Yeah. Bad mistake. It's one of those things where like with Dumbledore, I didn't somebody ask her and she's like, no, 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 he's gay. And we're like, oh, that's cool. Because somebody asked her and she just didn't come out and say it. She just, she was answering a question. Maybe she, somebody who's that big and has that big of a fan base, like, learn your fucking lesson. Like, are you serious? Like, don't yeah. don't spill your beans. Like, nobody, want, nobody wants to know because half the people are going to hate you after you say whatever you're going to say. <laughs> well, it's, 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 to me, it's not even that because I, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, you can't give your opinion. You know, it's the, you know, the shut up and dribble thing, which is like, yeah, you, you get a, like, they're people, they're artists and they have their thing, but they have their opinions. But like, her opinion is so like, gross it is yeah 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 and it it, it, like i think that's the thing that bothered me the most about it though is what you were saying before like you reading harry potter and then like later her you know hearing her come out and say yes dumbledore is gay and then uh you know it feels like it's this very inclusive like story about love and and how that conquers and then she comes out and she has these really hateful opinions Yeah, but we're not here to talk about J.K. Rowling. We are here to talk about (laughs) Harry Potter. So let's talk about what happens in this movie. Derek, have you picked out a song to time me out? Yeah, I'm just going straight for it. I'm just going to do the theme song by the great John Williams of Harry Potter that kind of disappears throughout the movies. Yes. But let's, uh, let's go with that. And are you ready? I'm ready. Three, two, one, go. Young wizard Harry Potter is sent to live with his aunt and uncle after his parents are killed by the dark wizard Voldemort. His lineage is kept secret from him. He learns 11 and is drafted to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry and finds a world full of magic. Along with new friends Ron and Hermione, Harry meets a cast of colorful magical professors including Dumbledore, Snape, and Quirrell, who has Voldemort living like a tumor on the back of his head. Voldemort is trying to regain full life using the Sorcerer's Stone, a powerful magical artifact. Harry stops Voldemort using the power of love. It's the power of love. Wrong movie, Rick. Perfect. 30 seconds. Our champion, Back to the Future, told us how Harry Potter. Oh, oh, you, you, mean, you, mean, you mean the movie that won by disqualification? No, okay. it won 
purely and cleanly, our number one greatest movie of all time per our countdown episode, Back to the Future. Listen to that one on all Mm. your favorite podcast apps. Did you so think Harry was drafted to Hogwarts? <laughs> he really didn't have a choice. He, ha- he kind of does have a choice. Like, Hag- Hagrid could have showed up and Harry's like, listen, I don't want to be involved. And Hag- was Hagrid going to drag him there? His parents signed him up. But there's a line in the movie about it. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't His think he knew exactly His name's been on the list since he was born. Mm. Yeah, he didn't have a choice. That's I'm just saying. Not many children have a choice about where they go to school. That's yeah, that, that's, pretty well, accurate. that's not okay. Yeah, I guess that's true. We should let 11-year-olds decide what they want to do with their day. We should, uh, we should let them decide if they want to go to public school or, you know, religious school or magic Harry's school. Like, or... Harry's like, I'm not going to school. I talk to fucking snakes. Yeah. Harry would pick going to magic school over probably... being with the Dursleys, 100%. Maybe, yeah, that, that's true. He didn't have a choice is all I'm saying. Some people who get drafted to the military have outstanding careers. So, some. <laughs> some. Not all. So let's talk about our favorite scenes. That's what happens in the movie. Let's talk about what we like about it. Jen, what is your number three favorite scene? Um, so my scenes are really, are really random. I don't feel like I picked any of like the most poignant scenes in the movie. Um, but my number three scene was just Hagrid with his little dragon baby. When he first gets Norbert and he is hatching him and he's just so excited to see his baby. And then even going into the next scene when you see him like really upset about having to give up Norbert. And I really do enjoy that scene in the movie, but I, I wish there was a little bit more about that in the movie. Like there is in the book, there's definitely more to the uh, Norbert dragon baby story. Draco Malfoy ratting him out. Draco, such a dick. I wouldn't actually mind like the, obviously the books have there you know it's like the iceberg like you know the books go so much deeper. I wouldn't mind if these movies were like an extra hour each because I want to see all the little. I think what makes you Harry need Potter the extended so great edition of Harry Potter. Yeah, what, what, what <laughs> yeah. makes what makes the Harry Potter movie so cool for me is the really small little tiny details. That for me is like, oh, that was a really cool moment that wasn't like really big. But like, yeah, Hagrid's like relationship with this little tiny, like he's this big, big guy. And he, he's like this, like he has this like really sweetheart at the same time. And yeah. he's super naive. Like throughout this movie, every five seconds, I'm slapping my head going, oh, Hagrid, why? <laughs> but to your um, point, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on miscellaneous for this one. But here's what I think the future of this franchise is going to be. The Fantastic Beast movies are going to sort of peter out because they're not doing as good as the main series. Then they're going to adapt the play once the the characters, the actors who play these characters are old enough to play those roles. They kind of are now. So I think, that, and then about 10 to 20 years after that, we're rebooting it as a Netflix or HBO Max series. Every book gets a season. Wow. That's what I think is going to happen. Dave, I think they've been talking about, I've, I thought I read something about them taking the the chosen one or um that series to play and turning that into a movie with the current actors playing themselves do you think i think probably emma watson's the holdout yeah i don't know if emma watson will yeah because rupert grant absolutely there day one he's calling people when it's gonna happen 
Well, let me ask you this. <laughs> let me ask you this. Actually, I think Rupert Grint's had the most interesting career so far, as far obviously not as popular, but he. I love the indie films and shows he's done. He's yeah. really, really good. But but, but it do, strikes me as like he's he's going to jump right back into that. Oh, character. for sure. But do you think yeah. that like like Lord of the Rings? I, I kind of like what they're doing with the Amazon show. It's not going to be like the Lord of the Rings story per se. Maybe the Harry Potter show could be like something like stories within that time frame in the universe. Do you think that's possible? Um. Yeah, I I mean I would I I think there's there's probably a pretty good uh show to be created about the original the founders. I think there's probably a pretty mm. good show to be made about James and Remus and uh what whatever they call themselves. The yes, the Marauders. That's what I, I would that, love to yeah, see that. Yeah, I think there's a pretty good show to be made about that generation. Um, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, but I think we're we'll like get... just like the Order of the Phoenix when they were in like, yes. their yeah. day. That'd be, I think that'd be that really fun to watch. I wouldn't be surprised if they just leg out the Fantastic Beasts, like I said, to that to the beginning of just like bridge it to the the beginning of the story. It wouldn't surprise me at all. But yeah. we digress. Derek, what is your number three scene? My number third. Uh, no, yeah, number third. My number three scene is. Um, it's kind of it I guess it's the cloak scene in the library where Harry's under the cloak and it's kind of intense and Filch is kind of after him and he gets away and then he gets to the mirror. And the mirror scene is really interesting because it, that's the moment in the movie that I feel like things become a little bit deeper. It's not as lighthearted as it was before. It becomes like, all right, this is really emotional. He's seeing his parents. Harry's really confused. And he's like, what is this? What is this supposed to mean? This can't be my future because my parents are deceased. He brings Ron along and Ron's, Ron's seeing all these great things like, oh, I'm, I'm the champion and I'm this and I'm that. And it's kind of that moment where I remember watching it the other night and i was like oh this is like the moment where like okay shit's getting real now like this is this it's not as um happy-go-lucky as before and you know obviously the later movies get darker and that's what i like about them but that's a really cool moment for me where like okay you know what this is this is sad what does it mean where's this gonna go and then dumbledore has to like remind harry like oh like oh you found it like so many people before you found it and you know people can really get caught up in this mirror and i don't want you to get caught up in it um yeah I, I am. I'll, I mean, that's my number three scene as well for the same reason. It's sort of the turn from this is kind of a happy-go-lucky like kids movie to like there's something deeper happening here that you know yeah. needs like we're we're kind of exploring these characters in a way that other series maybe wouldn't take the time to do. So, Jen, what is your number two scene? Um, my number two scene was their trip into the Forbidden Forest when they find the unicorn blood and then um, eventually uh, Draco and Harry stumble upon Voldemort feasting upon the slain unicorn. I just really like, um, I like the way that that scene was shot. I think that uh, it, it feels kind of creepy and spooky. And um, I like that dynamic between Harry and uh, Draco in that scene when they're alone in the forest together. And then I, and, and I really like, uh, and the movie doesn't do a good job, but the character of Ferenc that's in th- briefly in this scene uh, who saves Harry. Um, I really like that character and, and he definitely is built out more in the books. Um, yeah. Gia yeah. Comment- commented on his sexy voice and I got upset. <laughs> She's going to leave um, you for a horse. Man, I, Derek. <laughs> I mean, him. I don't blame her. 
I recasted him. So you did. I did. Okay. Interesting. Wasn't expecting to get a forensic recast, but I'm into it. Mm-hmm. It was. Is it a guy with a sexy voice? Uh, sure. All right. <laughs> Derek, what's your two? My two is the chess game. I thought it was really clever. Um, when I think of Harry Potter as a whole, I try to think of all the cool moments and definitely like the earlier parts that I love the most is the chess game. It's just, it's, it's clever. I like that. It's like, you know, it's giant and Ron has to ride the piece to like go through it. And Gia was like, wait a minute, like couldn't Ron just stand next to it? And I'm like, no, because I think there's only two spaces and Harry and Hermione take them up. So Ron has to ride one. I think that's how it goes. And it's just it's just a brutal scene too, and it's just listening to Rupert Grint's voice. He's so small, and he's like, you know, Rook to F four. Like it's just funny to listen to his little British voice and castle that, to X four. What did it's, I say? It's British. They don't use rooks; they use castles. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, and then that whole thing where like. You know, Ron's like, not you, not Hermione, not me, not Hermione, you. <laughs> like the way he says words. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and then he's like, you know, he goes and then the queen like beats the shit out of him and he falls. And yeah, really cool scene. Um, I really enjoyed that one. It's 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 one of the scenes. I think it's uh, it's tough. I think overall, I think it's like my favorite like artsy scene. Like the, the scene that I liked that that was the best shot. In the movie, was the cinematography the, in that scene, cinematography, shot, yeah, yeah, it's shot very well. Yeah, uh, didn't quite make my list, but my number two is the scene uh, at the end of the movie where uh, Dumbledore and Harry have their sort of bedside uh, conversation. And I picked this because we sadly did not get nearly enough of Richard Harris as Dumbledore, and Agreed. you know he he really encapsulated the character that I saw in the book when I read it and it it did start sort of like the question of like, I turned to Jen, this, you know, when, when we watched it and I was like, Dumbledore basically at the end of every book is like, yes, I knew exactly what was going on. I could have stopped at any time. I didn't. You're welcome. Peace. That's the theme of Dumbledore. Um, Ick. And Harry's like, yeah, I guess you're my hero. Yeah. So Dumbledore, little questionable, questionable behavior by Dumbledore. I, I think that I, some of it I, it maybe was unnecessary, but I think for a good portion of it, like Harry had to go through and experience these things to be able to make the sacrifice that he does at the end of the book. Yes, like it, So yes, in retrospect, yeah. looking back, we can be like, oh, well, he could have saved yeah. Harry a lot of trouble. But had Harry not experienced that trouble and in gone through that journey the outcome could have been very different yes and i i think that it makes the twist more effective of you know in the last movie where we see snape being like so you're fattening up like a pig to slaughter basically right and he's like yeah gotta gotta do it he'll be fine don't worry again i'm dumbledore i know exactly what's going to happen and i could probably stop it but i'm not going to well i but think I- he's making he, I think he truly loves Harry and he just is making difficult choices for the, the greater good. So Jen, what is your number one scene? So my number one is one that Derek actually already brought up, which is all the stuff with the mirror of Arised. Um, I really loved how it's kind of introduced to us where it's this thing that Harry kind of stumbles upon. Um, and then we kind of see him get more and more uh, kind of 
enraptured with it. Like he can't look away from it. He's sitting in front of it. And then, um, you know, hearing from Dumbledore about what the true purpose of the mirror is. Um, I think it really explains a lot about Harry as a character and what his motivations are and what drives him. And I think, you know, the book does a little more than the movie does in terms of the, the depth of the mirror and what it does. But, um, and then I like how at the end it loops back to the mirror again. And, uh, you know, it's how Harry is able to kind of save the day. Absolutely. Yeah, that made both of our, all of our lists, uh, that scene. So very effective. Derek, number one. Yeah, this is sort of um, a string of of moments and scenes. And I think it starts with the train to Hogwarts onto the boat when we first see Hogwarts for the first time up through the sorting hat. I, it's just so iconic to me. And um, I love the you know, the back, you know, because right off the bat, you feel bad for Harry. Like, what a crappy life he has. And then he meets this kid, Ron, who's just super friendly and super nice. And, you know, I love the little moments where, where Ron, you know, the, the trolley comes by and Ron's like, I'm all set. I have these mushed up sandwiches in this like plastic bag. And Harry's like, no, we'll buy the whole thing. And they're just sitting there chilling and eating chocolates. I'm like, that's what I want to do with my friends. Um, <laughs> just, eat, he just eat candy and talk about On their lives. We'll take the lot. <laughs> we'll take the lot. We'll um, take the lot. And then they, they get on the boats. Uh, well, I should say Hermione's introduced too. And you could tell right away Hermione and Ron had that like, little like, you know, oh, this dirt on your nose, like all that stuff. And then they, they get in the boats and the first shot you see of Hogwarts is like, whoa, this is where they're going. This is amazing. And then they get in and it's like going down the corridors of Hogwarts for the first time. You're like, oh, this is so special. And then they go to this really cool moment. And the sorting hat is such a cool concept that like, we're going to put its hat on you and you're going to be like sorted into like what your personality is. Like, I don't know. It's just a cool thing. I wish they did that in real life. And they're just like, Derek, we know you like food. So go over there. That's it. Go to the, go to the fat kids table, Derek. Go to the fat kids table, Derek. I'm, I'm there. Like, like, okay. Yeah, Derek. Well, <laughs> yeah, fat well, kids table. Thanks, Rick. Hope, hope you get chosen. <laughs> and then all the, here. all the food, the way the food, the way the food arrives on the table just kind of appears. And you're like, this is everything I've ever dreamed of. And me and Gia both made a comment. I think it was Halloween, the Halloween moment. And the food appears and there's like all this like great, like pumpkin pie and cakes. And there's a bowl of apples. And me and Gia at the same time, we're like, who the fuck has eaten apples? And then one girl was biting an apple and we're like, oh, that fucking bitch had to be the one eating an apple. And there's so many good cakes on the table. But yeah, up to the sorting hat. I love that moment. I think it's my favorite in the entire movie that like string of scenes. So my, my number one is one particular scene in that string that you mentioned, and it is the scene where they're on the boats going to Hogwarts for the first time. And it's mainly because John Williams just like leaned back and fucking cracked his knuckles and is like, I got this shit. I got this on <laughs> lock. And he was just like full John Williamsing the entire time. And it was just like, okay, we're in this world now. And it, it's just that is a really great scene yeah it went like yeah it's just you're like okay i I can i can imagine if i were a fan at the time seeing it on the big screen for the first time i would have been completely overwhelmed by it well it's like your first introduction to like the real like hogwarts world yes like it just looks so grand and magical yes i agree 100 percent with that so that's what we liked about it. Let's talk about what didn't work as well for us. Uh, Jen, do you have a least favorite part? One of my least favorite things is actually one of Derek's favorite things. Particularly, I have written down the life-size chess scene um, <laughs> because I just feel like it's such like 
and it's not their fault. They're, they're children. This is like their first big movie. Um, but I just feel like it's such overacting in that scene. Like, you, Harry. <laughs> like, it's so <laughs> over the top for me. It's super dramatic. It's super dramatic, but like not in a good way. So like the visuals of that scene, I really love. But the overacting for me kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Like kind of throughout the whole like kind of last bit. I would say the part where he's like face to face with Professor Quirrell, I think is well done. But like the stuff where it's Hermione and Ron and Harry like going through the last trials. I'm like, oh, okay. Even the way like everybody speaks their lines, like the way Ron is just like, he takes his time. Like, yes, Hermione, this is going to be exactly <laughs> like wizard's chest it's like just so over the top <laughs> and yeah i mean christopher columbus like it's tough to get a, a good performance out of a child actor but you know what christopher columbus did it in home alone and i know it's a different genre and it's some of that stuff is hard for any actor to get out of their mouth without sounding ridiculous but i, I mean i think he did a like for a scene with three basically beginner actors I, th- I think it was all right, but I, I can definitely see it's very actory how they, yes. they say their lines. Yeah. Derek? Um, I have a lot. I have a lot okay. wrong with this movie. Um, I love Harry Potter. I really do. But th- I feel like this is like the fantasy world that has the most plot holes and the most things that aren't great. Well, this is like, um, this is like I, I, again, this is going back to our conversation sort of about this story, this book, this movie in particular, is that so much of it was like, all right, here's like a children's story. And then as the series go, goes on, they go back and go like, okay, well, let's try to fill this in and kind of make this make sense. Yep, this yep. is not meant to stand up to the scrutiny that later ones are. Right. And I don't have a lot of, pl- I guess I have a few things here and there, but I'll start with the CGI troll. It's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have this. It's very, um, <laughs> it's very 2001, 2002, 2003. We are on the cusp of like CGI looks shitty all the time to CGI can be very good. Right. And again, I don't want to compare this to Fellowship, but the cave troll in that looks amazing to me yeah. as opposed to this troll. But it is what it is. It's not a big deal. And and the CGI in Harry Potter gets better. The Just some of the choices like Harry and Ron are appointed five points each for taking out a fucking mountain troll. Five points each. That's ridiculous. They should have gotten 100 points each. That's just a little thing that made me angry with McGonagall. Also, she buys Potter a Nimbus 2000. I feel like it's a li- it's just like it's not fair. It's she not shows fair. A lot of favoritism towards Gryffindor students. I yeah, think. I don't know. I mean, it's it's cool like like that's really sweet, but I feel like it's a little unfair. Detention in the woods at night and then they split up their children it's it's so chaotic. I mean, they can do it's, magic, to be fair. I guess, but <laughs> there are there are half men, man horses. Voldemort's fucking out there. Apparently, there's dead unicorns. Like it's just I don't know. It's very the teachers were okay with this. I don't well, know. They're like, they're, I like, they're like they're I like mean, don't go near the forest except when you're on detention at night. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, Dumbledore at this point is like, well, you know, Draco, whatever. Who cares if he dies? The other the other two will be with Hagrid. They'll be fine probably and like harry if he dies then like dumbledore is one eighth dead or whatever so like i mean it's you know right those are all my uh not dumbledore uh voldemort (laughs) right that's basically all i have so ron isn't ron isn't there in the book it makes more sense like the way it is in the book than it is in the movie remind me because i've only read that that book once so it's neville and hermione 
And that's why those two end up with Hagrid, because he's like, these are the weakest two. I'm going to take these two with me. Though they're still kind of the weakest two that go with him. Although Hermione is not at all. Hermione is like the most capable. Well, she's a woman, so, you know. Whoa. But she's like the most capable, uh, probably even more so than Hagrid at magic at this point. Oh, of course. But, you know, women are are seen as less capable. I think think it's more like, well, she can't be with Malfoy because Malfoy is like a horrible racist towards her. You know, and and then it's like, all right, who goes Malfoy? Either, you know, Neville, who's, I guess in the book, Neville, who's the weakest by far at that point. Or Harry, I guess it's going to be Harry. So I, I guess it makes sense as to how they're split up. But yeah, Derek, you're right. Like they shouldn't be in detention overnight in the woods anyway. Yeah, no, that was, that was a bad choice. But yeah, that's it for me. Okay, I've got one more. And I'll just say it. And we'll move on. But it's got to be said. The goblins are designed to look like racist characters, caricatures of Jewish people from the mid 20th century. And they all work in a bank. Hmm. Yeah. Not a well, great look. Well, and also to I guess I this was gonna be my mis- miscellaneous later, but I'll use it now because Gia kind of corrected me, and that was that the house elves are basically slaves. Yes. And they make all the food, they do everything. And then she's like, Well, they like it or they want to do it because when they try when you try to like take that away from them, they get pissed off. So it's like they're actually proud to do that as well. So I was like, all right, maybe it won't be my worst then, if that is the truth. A lot of those house elves are a lot like Samuel L. Jackson in to, Chango. Like, yeah, they're kind of indoctrinated. Yeah, so right, right, right. Yeah, I wouldn't say that they like it. They just don't know any different. If they were shown a different life, they'd take it. But like, well, it's it's going back to our episode number two, Shawshank Redemption. It's it's a brook situation. They just all they know is the inside, right? Because I was like, who's making this food? And she's like, oh, the house elves. I'm like, that's a lot of food. Like, there's and then there are lots and lots of house elves yeah oh, and then well then they the, you know who makes up the rooms who takes the all they just do so much and i was like that's kind of like slavery and she's like well they've been doing it for so long when i was like all right whatever yeah. no they literally are slaves yeah yeah they're house slaves mm-hmm. so uh that's it for what we like and didn't like let's go to medals jen who is your bronze medal winner with robbie coltrane all right. I just really love the Hagrid character. I think he does a great job with it. He's like very warm and caring and uh, I, I, you just want to hug him. Yeah. Love Hagrid. Tremendous role. Now, Jen and I talked about this and it plays into my recasting, but Robin Williams really wanted to play Hagrid. And yep. could we see that? Could he Not for it? me. Not for you. Well, the thing is, like, like I, like, I was a fan of Robbie Coltrane back in the mid '90s when, like, he was in Goldeneye, yeah. and he was like, you know, and he played like right. a Russian mafia guy. And like, again, if somebody was like, if somebody would said to me like, oh, could you picture him as Rubius Hagrid from Harry Potter? I would have been like, well, what? But that's the thing. It's like I can't really picture Robin Williams so much as Hagrid. But if he got the role, maybe it would just nowadays I'd be like, oh, maybe. of course he's the, he's Hagrid because he's amazing. But look, thinking about it, I don't know. I mean, Robin Williams is a very talented actor, and he can he can do serious and comedy. You just make a giant Robin Williams. I don't know. I don't know if he's goofier than Coltrane. He probably would be. Uh, Harry, Harry Potter. Like, I don't know. I don't know. How, 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 how would he play him? I don't know. Like, <laughs> Ed Penn, Peter Penn. I don't know. <laughs> so. <laughs> but I do love Robin Williams, so. <laughs> I love Robin Williams. I just don't see him as Hagrid. Derek, who's your bronze? My bronze goes to Christopher Columbus. And not 
you know, I, I, I give him some slack because I know he did murder a lot of Native Americans. And, yes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's <laughs> – Same he's, guy. Same guy. He's – you know, he – and again, this line is very strange, and please forgive me. He's great with children. Um, yeah. He's so – I mean, like I said, Home Alone, Harry Potter, like he was able to to take these basically unknown actors who have never done film before and, and make them sort of uh, – more than passable really yes the kids are overacting everything but he does such a good job i was watching uh late last night i watched a youtube video on like the making of the sorcerer's stone and there's the scene where he was like okay action and they're all trying to pick up their brooms like by saying up and he's like once i said action half the kids moved and half the kids didn't he's like i had to stop and be like guys when i say action it means do things (laughs) (laughs) and i just thought it was really funny like he's such like he has patience you know and, uh, you know, he put a really good film together. It was definitely a surprise when it came out for me. I was like, oh, I- I'm surprised that I like this because usually I'm, you know, very critical about certain things. But I really liked his direction here. And he gets my bronze. So my bronze is a three-way tie. And when I do ties, I do themed ties. Uh, and it goes to Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint. And the fact that they went through this ridiculous casting process that you know like every kid in england was interviewed you know and some in ireland and they got these roles and they were as you know however old they were 10 11 however the actual actors were competent in their roles like that could have been a disaster and the fact that they basically hit on all three kids is damn near miraculous yep Mm. so bronze medal to them they will each probably get higher medals as we go through these series and, and episodes to come. Yep. Jen, silver. My silver was Alan Rickman. Uh, I think he does a fantastic job in all of the movies as Snape, but uh, some of my favorite scenes are watching uh, the interactions. I really love the first class that Harry has with Snape and then um, kind of seeing his in the hallway interactions with Quirrell later on and um, kind of just building on that character in this movie yeah it's a really great job so i'll 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 go as well because alan rickman is my silver as well i think he is of the actors in the movie and it's because he had additional information to the other ones uh the the actor whose character is fully realized immediately like he's he is snape from frame one to the ending of the character in the in the last movie And like, he's, you know, rest in peace, Alan Rickman between this and we get Die Hard in a couple of weeks. We're doing a lot of Rickman talk. So I'm, and I'm here for it. So love Alan Rickman. Derek, who's your silver? Okay. So (laughs) I have a quadruple tie for my number two, because I couldn't decide. Okay. And it is people we've already named. So Alan Rickman and Radcliffe, Rupert Grint and Emma Watson. I just couldn't figure it out. I love all of them uh, so much. Um, Alan Rickman was one of these actors that that the death really affected me with Robin Williams. And then Alan Rickman, like the two of them, like they're just two actors that I just wish were still around because they bring a lot of joy to a lot of people. And I think that's the most important thing. And um, Alan Rickman, like you said, like he's from beginning to end, he is just perfect. And I don't think there's anybody in the world who sounds like Alan Rickman. He's so unique as to what <laughs> yeah. he brings to the table. I, you know, there's that family guy joke where like Alan Rickman has an answering machine 
Yeah. And he's like, he's talking, he's like, he's like, you have reached five, 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 two, two, two. Like the way he says it. And he's like, he's like, don't forget to to put the pork chops from the fridge to the freezer. So they don't, so they defrost properly. Do not disappoint me. Like, um, he's just, he's so like, there's nobody like him. And, uh, I think, um, he becomes one of my favorite characters in the entire series, especially at the end when you realize like what actually happened. You're like, whoa, what a great character yeah. that is. But the kids, like, oh my God, like they carry the whole movie and it's like they are very inexperienced. Like I've never done film before and they were able to, you know, more than you know do a good job like you know yeah there's definitely some overacting and they definitely get better at that as as time goes on but you know they really could have fucked up by casting somebody who was not right for the role and i think they did their due diligence by saying like okay the one we picked for ron is perfect hermione's perfect you know they they tried things with her i know they gave her like buck teeth for one scene and like you can kind of see it from what i watched in that youtube video they were like if you look closely you'll see that she has buck teeth and like it's just not working so we got to like take those away but the kids especially off screen from all the things I've watched. They're so giddy. They're so excited. They're like, they're like students of the game at this point and they get better as they go. But that those are my silver. And I, and I want to say just quickly in regards to Alan Rickman, the one movie that I don't know when we'll ever be able to do it because it's not available is dogma that he's in. And mm-hmm. he is so good in that. And it's just, unfortunately like rights issues, just not available for anything, but Love Rickman. Yeah. Tough loss for him a few years ago. So let's go to gold. Jim, it's your gold medal winner. My goal went to uh, gold, went to John Williams. Uh, I thought the music in this movie was just incredible. Every scene, uh, it really like adds to the whole thing. Like you hear the music and you feel Harry Potter. That's one of my favorite parts of like, when you go to Universal and you walk into like, uh, you know, Diagon Alley or you walk into Hogsmeade is, is just like the music is playing in the background and like you see it around you, but it like really brings you in when you hear that music. Yes. Uh, John Williams is my gold as well. And to be honest, as great as Alan Rickman is and the kids are, it was not close. Mm-hmm. Um he like like I said in that my number one scene he just goes full Williams and just overwhelms the movie and just he is Harry Potter in a lot of ways like the the mood he creates with his music John Williams by the way he does not win best original score Howard Shore wins for fellowship but he gets two nominations this year so he's like at almost his peak here like his what's the other nom he gets AI the uh, oh that's right okay yeah uh, of course, he's working with Spielberg. But yeah, this this score is beautiful and so evocative of the movie. You can't think of Harry Potter without thinking of this music. And it's almost like he's the soundtrack of the book as well. Like you open the book and it's like, dun, 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 dun. it's like, okay, John Williams, great. The, the, the greatest com- film composer of all time. And that's why he's my gold as well. Yep. Um, he's he is the movie for me. I mean, the music is, 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 is I think this is one of the reasons why I think he's one of the greatest. He, I think he is the greatest movie composer of all time. Um, his bulk of work just outshines everybody else. And uh, this is one of these um, soundtracks that I literally could listen to while I'm driving. It's just it just you, it makes you feel good. He just does the right things. And the one thing I love, too, is how I can hear his music in other like I can hear like hook in this 
I can hear, you know what I mean? I can hear a little bit of Home Alone sometimes. And like, I love that. I can hear, sometimes I hear a little bit of Indiana Jones in one of his pieces. And I love, there's little moments that I love. Like, I love that um, piece where it's like, dun, 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 dun. It's very yeah. good. Like, I love how he just like. The exciting Christmas morning. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, he he brings so much to this. And he is, you know, if, if there was one really correct choice, it was bringing John Williams aboard for this movie. <laughs> so, the, like, look at, like, you know, baseball. They have, like, the wins above replacement. They have war. Yep. Replace any other, maybe Harry, but, like, any one other piece with something that doesn't work. And, like, he, removing John Williams makes the biggest difference. Right. And I'm sure some other composers like Howard Shore could have done a serviceable job yeah. and, and everything, but it's just so embedded into like culture now. It's like Harry Potter music is like way up there is like, this is so memorable. And like part of, you know, I think that, that you know, when you look back at Harry Potter, like when you first saw it, I think for me, the music like, that carried me through everything. Yes. So that's, there's a reason why he's all of our gold. Yes, absolutely. So let's get to something that I have been looking forward to. Uh, and that is recasting. So I have Dumbledore, Snape, McGonagall, Hagrid, Quirrell, and the voice of the Sorting Hat. Okay, I have all of those, except instead of the Sorting Hat, I have Filch. Okay, Jen? Hagrid, Ollivander, Quirrell, and Ferenc. Okay, so you you did a little bit differently. So let's go with our, our unique ones here. So Jen, you have Ollivander? Yeah, so for Ollivander, I had a couple of options i either went like kind of funny with michael kane i feel like michael kane <laughs> could fit in that pretty nicely um or <laughs> kind of more serious um with charles dance Ooh, charles dance yeah for, uh, so a tywin lannister mm. from game of thrones i feel like he could have uh okay. taken it in a different direction but would have been really cool as well uh, and you had Ferenz? Ferenz. Oh, so this is a purely selfish one. I picked Jason Momoa because I want to see him shirtless. <laughs> Horse body or not. Mm-hmm. There, there you go. <laughs> I think that he'd be a great Ferenz. In also, Dune, he's kind of got a sexy voice. I think it does. would work. He does. In Dune, he plays a character called Duncan Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> and your your other one was Hagrid. So we'll... we'll Hagrid. Hagrid. Yeah. Hagrid. So we'll, get Hagrid to, we'll get to that. We'll get to that because I think okay. we all have Hagrid. Uh, Derek, your, your, what yeah, was your filch. filch? You did have filch. I tried to I, think of a filch and I couldn't get there. I actually went with Robert Carlyle. Yeah. Definitely. And he's excellent. I love him. He's such a weaselly sort of actor. I love him in The World Is Not Enough. He plays the villain in that. And he plays Rumpelstiltskin in that other movie once, yeah, uh, show, Once Upon a Time. Upon a time. Yeah. And I just pictured him. I actually showed Gia a picture of him with like long, scraggly hair. He looked kind of like Filch. Yeah. And I just feel like it would be very similar to that same performance as uh, I think. It, was it John Bradley that plays? I think that's his name. No, John Bradley. Um, uh, well, yeah. something Bradley, right? Something Bradley, right? That's that's yeah, we, were, we were like, who should play David Filch? Bradley David out loud? We're, out loud. We were both like, I wish the guy from Walder Frey could, could, could play Filch. Yeah. Um, but that was the joke. But yeah, that's the way I went with Robert Carlyle. Yeah. Okay. So mine, I have a theme. So the actual movies have uh, only British, only people from the United Kingdom. So my rule for all Harry Potter casting is nobody from the United Kingdom worldwide. In this movie, it happens to be all North American. My voice of the sorting hat. And this is kind of a fun one, is the great voice actor H. John Benjamin. 
who you would recognize from Bob's Burgers or Family Guy. I, or... I think I, 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 I don't think I, I, I want to hear that. Oh, I absolutely want to hear that. Harry, you're going to be in Gryffindor. Like, yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know. If, I don't know. Great, if, huh? I don't. Oh, you're I Slytherin. Think, Draco, Slytherin. I think it's too comical. Personally. I, you know what? It's a, it's a fucking talking hat. Let's get over it. Uh, it's actually supposed to be a singing hat. Like, I want the hat to sing. Okay. Who, who, who should sing? Who should sing it? I don't know, but the real sorting hat sings. So that's what I was looking for. You know, I'm sticking with it. So let's go to Hagrid. Jen, who do you have? Hagrid, I had a couple of different options. Rory McCann, yeah. who's played the Hound, mm-hmm. or um, Nick Frost, who yeah. I know from Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, I definitely. Mean, very different performances, but I think... Very you know, much so. I think Nick Frost would, would be the most like Coltrane. Yeah. Hmm, yeah. Yeah. A little younger and maybe a little uh, a little more fun versus yeah. like simple. Mm-hmm. Derek, who do you have? I went with an actor that's extremely versatile and you might not be able to see it, but I think it can be done. And I went with Andy Serkis. Yeah. Who plays mm, Gollum. Yeah. I think that he's like, he's one of those actors that like you throw him under a beard, long hair, you make him a giant. Like he can do things with his voice. So I have no doubts that he could like bring like a really good voice for Hagrid and play that part really well. I thought Hagrid was honestly like the hardest for me to cast. So I was trying to find an actor who could yeah. like manipulate it. So that's one with Circus. I found that as well. Uh, Hagrid was a tough one to cast. Uh, I wanted the guy who's got just like a big, jolly voice. Uh, and that is Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, Harry. Ha, 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 ha. The stupid voice. Again. This stupid, is turning into a really weird version of Harry Potter. My, yeah. my, so, the, so my other characters are, are more serious. Uh, but I think like Hagrid is a comical character. The Sorting Hat is a comical character in this one, at least. So like those two, the other ones are all dramatic that I have. I don't necessarily think Hagrid's like funny because he wants to be funny. I, yeah, but Seth Rogen, I think, is a great actor as well. I think he can do he can do dramatic and he has like dramatic moments later. But primarily, he is like, you know, he's he's just like, I'm just That's picturing the scene where he comes in, you know, oh, your wizard hair is awesome. It'd be very different. <laughs> this is awesome. This is, yeah, he'd absolutely say that. <laughs> like, while, some of your while, while smoking a bowl, yeah. 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 So, Jen, I think you're, that was all of yours? Uh, no, I did Professor Quirrell. Okay, let's do Quirrell. Who do you have? So for Quirrell, I had three options. Okay. One was Benedict Cumberbatch. I mm-hmm. think that he could definitely do like the, because I feel like with Quirrell, you need somebody who can do like the, to use his word, bumbling, but like really kind of nerdy, like yeah. very awkward. Yeah, awkward. That's a good word. And then you also need him to be like forceful and strong, and you need to be able to take him seriously as a threat. Somebody that would, you know, host Voldemort. So um, I think Benedict Cumberbatch can definitely do both ends of that. Yeah. Um, so this character or this actor actually has a part already in Harry Potter, but I think maybe would be better served uh, in this role of uh, Toby Jones. Yeah, He's the voice of Dobby in this movie, um, but I definitely could see him playing Professor Quirrell. Somehow um, Quirrell's and- a more likable character than Dobby. I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Rick has like a very deep, deep seated hatred for Dobby. So, so do I. That's yeah. so fun. When he when I watched him die, everybody was crying and I was like, oh uh, boy. Yeah. 
Rick was like clapping. He was yeah. happy. There, there <laughs> I, was... I also hate Dobby with a passion. Um, and then my last uh, for Professor Kroll was um, Aiden Gillen. Little finger, yep. Yeah. He's like Harry Potter. I'm a, I'm a bit confused. <laughs> I definitely can see him in that. Uh, and his use world. of multiple accents could definitely work. Like, you know, yeah. There you uh, go. Derek, who do you have for uh, for Quirrell? I love my Quirrell. I went with Alan Cumming. Yeah. And he's known for a bunch of different movies. He's Boris, Grish and Go, and, Gold, and Goldeneye. He's Nightcrawler and X-Men. I just pictured him perfectly as the bumbling Quirrell and then being kind of stern, too. Uh, I think Alan Cummings is a really underrated actor, and I would have loved to see him as Quirrell. Yes. So I had a, I had a couple thoughts with Quirrell, but I settled on Rami Malek. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think he could, uh, he, he played a hell of a villain in the last James Bond movie, No Time to Die. And I think he can definitely do the sort of awkward, like, he just physically is kind of awkward looking. Uh you know, in, in some ways. So I think he could do that. So we get three left. We get McGonagall, we get Snape, we get Dumbledore. Let's go McGonagall. Derek, who do you have? So I, ca- yeah, this is, this is tough. I casted a lot younger for these roles. Okay. Um, so for, for Snape and McGonagall specifically, because I know in the movie. I think Snape was- is a really obvious one. Yeah, I think you know who I'm going to pick for that. Yeah. But I think that if I'm not correct, maybe Jen can correct me because I think she's more familiar with the books because I don't remember them that well. But were they? I think Snape and McGonagall were a little bit younger in the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I went with that. I went in that direction, and I went with somebody who is just she just steals my heart in every movie, and it's Kate Blanchett, mm-hmm. and I just want to see her at every chance I get. And her in a witch's outfit being a cat and being like that sort of Galadriel character to Harry. And like, I can just picture her like, you know, smirking at Harry when he, when he opens the Nimbus 2000 and she's like stroking the cat and stuff. And I'm just like, Oh my, Oh my God. Um, so I went with her. I think she would, she would kill. I mean, I, I mean, who, who can replace Maggie Smith? I mean, Maggie Smith oh, is you McGonagall. Can't. You so can't. I took but, a crack at it. I took yeah. Reimagining. Yeah. Uh, I broke out the big gun for this one. Meryl Streep. I wonder if she would take it. If it seems like a character that's not big enough for her. You know what? This is my fucking fantasy draft casting. I, I, you know, she may not take it, but in this world, she did. We use magic to <laughs> yeah. Maggie's magic, Ma- magic contract. I think you, you break glass in case of emergency. Meryl Streep. She's obviously one of the great actors, actresses of any generation. So Meryl Streep can't go wrong with that. I think Snape, I think the obvious one here. Are we just going to, are we just going to say it? Yeah. Adam driver, Adam driver. Yeah. yeah he's Snape. Great yeah. actor has the intensity that you need for, for Snape. And it's it's going to yes. be, it's going to be a I missed opportunity. Like he, I feel like he'd be doing an Alan Rickman impression. I think he looks like Rickman, but I they're think it very can different only actors. be Alan Rickman. Well, if they do a, like a younger story, like we said, like if we, I mean, they can't do it at this point because Adam Driver's like, if they did like a TV show version of like The Order of the Phoenix, like he's too old for that, I think. Yeah. So I, he's I, stuck right, he's in that weird age could, group. I think playing Snape at this age, I think he could, I think now would be the time. Right. And, and it's, but it's, it's too perfect. Like he looks like Rickman. So the, you know, so like the jokes work where it's like, oh, you're going to, you know, like the physical joke, you know, about that the you know James would make about him or you know or or Sirius or Lupin like it, those would still stick but 
I mean, he's he's obviously a great actor. He's a he. I think he would play it differently than Rickman, despite the fact that they have physical similarities. Right. So Dumbledore. This one. Okay, Derek, you get, who do you have for Dumbledore? So very underrated actor. Um, yeah. Seen him in a ton of things. I loved him in everything he's done, and he is the son of our original Dumbledore, Richard Harris. It is Jared Harris. And I adore him in everything I've seen him in. Yeah. He's Moriarty in the Sherlock Holmes movies. He's in this movie called Two of Us where he plays John Lennon and he's incredible. He's like a very great character actor. And I think that uh, he's old enough now where I think that uh, it would make sense for him to play Dumbledore. Yeah. So Dumbledore was the one character where I almost broke my no Brits rule because I think uh, Patrick Stewart would be a hell of a Dumbledore. But going with my North American actors, uh, I thought to myself, who's a guy who you look at and you just want to trust him? And my Dumbledore, my American Dumbledore is Tom Hanks. Okay. All right. See, I, I, can, I can see it. I can see him having the like kind of the winking like Dumbledore. But then when, when shit gets serious, I think he, could, he obviously can do serious. It would definitely be interesting to see. Yeah. It's tough I because... Like oh, when I think about your other like picks, <laughs> like Seth Rogen and stuff, like, I yeah, really, that kind I of throws really me off a little. Want, I really just want it to be more like a... For Dumbledore? Yeah. You want to be more serious or like more, lean more into the comedy of it? More comedy, more comedy. Well, that's why I like Jared Harris so much because he he'll he'll bring what his father brought. And also, Michael Gammon's uh, Jared Harris is a very comical actor too, and the, his facial expressions and his smiles and stuff. I think he could do both really well. I think you. I actually think I prefer Michael Gammon's Dumbledore to Richard Harris. Um, well, it's it's tough because we didn't get to see the other side of Richard Harris's Dumbledore. Okay, it literally in the third movie is where like Dumbledore becomes more colorful, right? Um, so it would have been interesting to see Harris and how he would take that over. Yeah, you're right. Let's go to miscellaneous. Uh, Jen, in the meantime, did you have any miscellaneous, anything we didn't discuss that you want to talk about? No. Derek? So this is just a, a topic of conversation. Yeah. And I don't know if this is meant to be a joke that Ron says or if this is the truth. <laughs> and I just want to get to the bottom of it. The chocolate frogs and the cards they come with, Dumbledore goes missing and Ron's like, well, they can't be jumping around all day. Is that a real thing or is that a joke? No, not the frogs. Like, so in the wizard world, pictures are like, uh, there's like a picture version of someone who stands in the frame. So it's like a proxy of, of Dumbledore. Okay. So he goes from like picture to picture during the day. You, did you, have you seen all the movies, Derek? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. So you know how like the paintings move? Yeah. It's the same thing with the pictures. Okay. Because I was just thinking in my head, like, as a joke, like, you know, Dumbledore's looking at his watch and he's like, I have to do a lot of photo appearances in two hours and, like, so, things so like little, that. I'm a little unclear. No, with the it's not the actual. The uh, they, so they, like, do they have the knowledge of those people at the time that the picture was taken or painted? I don't know if we're given, like, that level of detail. I don't remember it going into that so much. But because I would the, say the that play, they do have some. Because, in the play, like, correct me if I'm wrong, Harry talks to a picture of Dumbledore, right? I think so. But I'm more thinking, like, when he, when he looks at the pictures of his parents, they just, like, wave at him and stuff. There's, like, not interaction there, you know? Like, right. they 
can't talk to him, but then like some of the paintings are able to talk. So it, I think it just depends. Maybe photographs can only move, but paintings, the paint is enchanted. Enchanted paint. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he gets the book of like the, or, you know, at the end of the movie with the album, with all the pictures from the order of the Phoenix in it. And they're all waving and smiling. Right. I think it's just like a, it's like a gif of like the picture that was taken basically. Yeah. Right. But Dumbledore, again, the picture of Dumbledore just pieces out. Like it has the. Autonomy. Yeah. And like, why didn't it just stay? Cause like Ron's like, well, it can't be jumping around all day. And it's like, well, and it, it's- like, well, the paintings have autonomy too, because like the fat lady decides yeah. whether or not you can get in. And uh, sure. you know, later on his sister, Ariana in the, in the bar, like goes and helps them through the paintings. So. Mm. It's a whole, it's whole thing. It's it's not a hundred percent clear. The the picture painting dynamic, we had, we had work not. in this. Yeah, yeah. So my miscellaneous, I guess, was like, are there any other series? Let's put Star Wars to the side since they came out out of order. Are there any other series where, like, undisputed, the best movies are in the middle of the series? Is, is are you like, are you are Harry- you suggest are you suggesting that the middle movies of Harry Potter are the best? I think so. I think it's commonly accepted that that um, Azkaban and Order Phoenix and Applet Prince are the best three. Well, I think the first two are definitely the le- my least favorites, and and it's for obvious reasons. The story's still getting going. I, I know that you and a few other people believe that the two towers is the best is the best of the yeah, one. But I, 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 I understand. Like that's that's not the most commonly held like belief. You know that opinion. So what other big series? Can we, I mean, are we I mean, just, just talking about Bond movies? Is a little bit different, but let's take yeah. like, let's put in the, like, let's chop up the James Bond into each of the, the Bonds. You know, I guess you could say like Goldfinger is generally considered the best Connery, although I would say it's probably from Russia with Love. Would you say like, and again, but that's again up for debate a lot of times i think the roger moore ones is just sporadic i think you have live and let die is one of the best and then you skip yeah. over a few years spy who loved me is a great one and you skip over another few years for your eyes only there's not like a specific time where he's doing good there's always a couple of flat ones yeah craig i mean definitely golden eyes the best person um craig yep. you could make a case for for a few of them casino or skyfall yeah i'd go casino royale but you know what i'd, yep. I'd listen to skyfall i'd i'd listen to no time to die um, I, I'm 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 also uh, agree with you. Casino was my favorite. But yeah. are you talking about just movie franchises? Yeah, just movie pro- franchises in general. Like, are there any other where it's just like because Marvel's a little weird because it's kind of still ongoing and one giant thing. Yeah, I guess like yeah, I don't know. I think I think the last Harry Potter movie is up there too. I think it just has so much going on that it's. it's I think. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, it's kind of obvious why the first couple movies aren't as good as the next yeah. couple. Like, you have inexperienced child actors for the majority of, of your cast. And so because a lot of those characters remain throughout the whole series, they're learning and they're growing and they're improving, uh, you know, as they as they kind of continue to grow in those roles. And so obviously the later on movies they're going to be a little bit better um the very end of the series i think like trying to turn the seventh book into two movies made it kind of suffer because it definitely dragged out um and and made those movies a I little less interesting i like the last one i like um Death no, i'm Part talking two. about movie seven Mo- yeah movie seven is yes is my like number two worst 
Right. Uh, like movie seven could go away almost entirely. We can you know just funny? I actually a few I, other things that happened in there. I really felt that way when I first saw it. I went out of the theater being like, eh. But the more I watch it and the more I watch the performances of the main three, I'm like, whoa, like they didn't have these older British actors who play the professors there to help carry the movie. It was just the three of them. Yeah. And I thought that this was the movie for the three of them that are like, okay, now other uh, uh, movie companies can be like, okay, now we, I think we can hire this person for this movie because now we're seeing them really act and be vulnerable on their own. Like the scene with like Harry and Hermione dancing together, like those moments in those scenes were like, whoa, like they don't need Alan Rickman and Michael Gammon and, and, and um, Gary Oldman to be there to carry the movie. Like they're doing a great job on their own. Yeah. Maybe the story's a little bit diluted and dragged out, but the acting especially I thought was like really good in that one. I, I think those... So I don't like the second to last one. I don't like Deathly Hallows Part 1. Deathly Hallows Part 2 I like more, but it's very gray. Like just the the cinematography Mm. of it is all sort of like, it's like, it's not fun to look at. Like this one for like all its faults, it's very fun. And it like, and even like the stuff where it has like darker story elements. And I I think like they kind of settle into like David Yates becomes the director of I think the last three of this series and all of the fantastic beasts. He like becomes the sort of main director. Doesn't so he take over the Nazcaban? Look... What's that? I think he takes over an Azkaban, doesn't he? No, no, no. I think he might t- actually, he might take over in Phoenix, but uh, Azkaban is um, uh, Alfonso. Yeah. Curran. Who directed children of men. Okay. And uh, yes, yeah, so is an Oscar winner, but yeah, David Yates. I remember David Yates, name being in the Phoenix. So, yeah, I think he takes over in Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, the last four films he does. So he does he does Phoenix, Half Blood Prince, and the two Deathly Hallows movies. Okay. And by the time of Deathly Hallows Part Two, just look at the poster of Deathly Hallows Part Two, and like look how fucking gray the poster is, and like how washed out everyone looks. But and I think just, that's the point, though. Th- it's right. Right. Sure, but it, it right, but it's like you can make it colorful and dark at the same time. I guess. I mean, I just feel like the movies get drearier on purpose because it's like there's no hope, kind of thing. And like you know, it, you know, everybody's so stressed out. And like, if it was colorful, I, I don't know. I think you kind of lose some of that in the movies. Honestly, there's a lot of. Uh, that buildup that happens in the books that you don't get in the movies where Harry just like gets to the point where he feels so hopeless and desperate and uh, you know, like it, it, the vibe I feel like matches what's happening for the character at the time. That makes sense. All right. So let's, uh, let's go to the Oscars. Uh, the Oscars this year are uh, doesn't win any. Uh, but it is nominated for Best Score, Best Art Direction, and Best Costume Design. We have covered this year once before, as we said, this year of Fellowship of the Ring. Best Picture is won by A Beautiful Mind, but we gave it to Fellowship in our episode. The other nominees are Gosford Park, In the Bedroom, and Moulin Rouge. So do we want to put this in here? I'm just trying to think. Because, again, I'm, I'm trying to go back in time because now watching Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, I'm like, okay, yeah, there's some fun, but it just doesn't – I don't think this movie holds up very well. 
I yeah, I think I have some emotional attachment to it. Like sure. I enjoy watching it as a right. movie, but is it like a fantastic piece of cinema? Probably. Yeah. I think there's definitely discussions to be made for some of the other movies in the series. Yeah, but I don't mm-hmm. think this one. Right. So best director Ron Howard wins for Beautiful Mind. Uh, Ridley, but we gave it to Peter Jackson for Fellowship. Uh, other nominees are Ridley Scott for Black Hawk Down, Robert Altman for Gosford Park, and David Lynch for Mulholland Drive. What a stacked list of directors here. Yeah. Just an all-star lineup. I don't think we give it to Columbus. I don't think so either. Best actor. I mean, I, it, it would have to be Harry. It'd have to be Daniel Radcliffe, but no. No. Best actress. I don't think anyone qualifies. Best supporting actor. Who would it be in this movie? That's the discussion I want to have. You think an Alan Rickman? Rickman or Harris? I would say Rickman. Rickman, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it just depends on the list of actors that year. Yeah. Uh, so it's won by Jim Broadbent, later being in the series, as he is an English citizen. So he, Slughorn. he did his national duty and was in the Harry Potter series uh, in a movie called Iris, which I've not seen. Other nominees are Ethan Hawke in Training Day. Ben Kingsley in Sexy Beast, uh, Sir Ian McKellen, who I believe we did give it to in Fellowship of the Ring, and uh, John Voight in Ali as Howard Cosell. Howard Cosell. I don't think Rickman's – I don't think he his, – his character is sort of – I don't know. I, I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe he doesn't make it this year. Yeah, maybe I, later again, years. I think this is setting the groundwork for the later movies where mm. – he shines. Yep. So again, we're going to punt these ones. I don't think anyone really qualifies as a supporting actress. Maggie Smith is nominated for Gosford Park. So, I mean, we can make a Maggie Smith moment, but she's, she's already in there, but yeah. So again, this is, this is a good fun movie that lays the groundwork for better things later on. I feel. Yeah, definitely, and it, it it has it has some great moments. It has a great, and I think that the the, the the we we got rid of this back in the day that the category of like what does this movie do better than any other movie? I don't yeah. know if it does this the best, but it just gives you like a a really good warm feeling. Yeah, mm. that's here's, what this movie does. Here's a question, and Jen and I we discussed this off air before, and we're doing it around this time of year. Came out around this time of year, but this movie easily you could say like oh, I'm going to watch this around Christmas. Right. Do you feel the same way, Derek? It's not a Christmas movie to me. It's more of a, um, you know, for, for me and Gia, we've done this many, many times. But if it's just a dreary day and we're not going to go out, we'll just binge the Harry Potter movies. And we usually start with Azkaban <laughs> and we go that way. Um, we skip these two, but we like we, we like the first two as well. But I don't get the Christmas. And I, again, it reminds me, it used to always come out in November. So it's almost like a yeah. November movie for me because of that reason. And But yeah, it doesn't really have a seasonal attachment to me. It's just like, is it raining out? Do you want to watch the original It with Tim Curry for the millionth time or watch <laughs> Harry Potter? <laughs> like, so that's kind of our thing. But and Chamber right. of Secrets is, is definitely the worst. Yeah, I would say. It's like it's like they're all such at an awkward age. It's just very yeah. awkward to watch. Well, I mean, yeah. we'll we'll get as we do more of these, we'll 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 get to our rankings certainly, and we'll see where these uh, where this one comes up on our uh, our season finale ranking as well. But now comes uh, a, a huge question here, Derek. What are you eating with this movie? I think uh, 
cakes, desserts. Desserts. Uh, actually, um, I'm a big breakfast person. I love eating like all the breakfast foods. And there's that scene where they're doing that, and there's like a little like thing where it holds all the toast. The toast is just lined up in this little like thing, like a, almost like a, a holder for papers, like in an office. It's just holding toast. And I was like, oh, we should get one of those. And she's like, we never make toast. And I was like, but still, we should have it just in case we do. Um, the breakfast sausage, the bacon. Like, I just want to eat everything in Tarnation during this movie and feel sick to my stomach at the very end. So I think, uh, you know, one thing we haven't talked about in this movie whatsoever in this episode is the uh, Universal Studios uh, Harry Potter attractions, which is like. I brought it up. In the, during the recording? Yeah, we did. Okay. Well, we didn't go into it, but I think the uh, the restaurants there really uh, set the menu for me. English uh, style foods, butter beer, pub food, pub food butter beer, uh, which is like a butterscotchy drink. Uh, in our in favorite, Universal which is the ice cream. The ice cream, yes, the Florian 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 ice cream, Florian. yeah. So that's that's what I'm eating with that. It's kind of a cheat because it's like, here's some Harry Potter branded food. Eat it while you watch the movies. But you know what? I You know what I can't wait for is when we have this category when we eventually do hook. <laughs> yes. Bowls, just bowls of frosting. Bowls of frosting. <laughs> yeah, I have to make, we have to make it down there. I'm, I'm mad that we haven't yet. And uh, I think I just, at this point, need to make like a weekend out of it. Just go down, go to, you know, experience it, you know, so... Before they decide to take it down someday, which I don't know if they, they will, will, but that is decades away. Their okay, whole, good. yeah, they're expanding it. Now we come to the most important part of the show, and that is when we throw thirty seconds on the magical clock that keeps track of where we are. Derek explains to us why this movie is the greatest movie of all time. Derek, are you ready? Do I ever actually explain that though? You have like three or four times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. It's either that or you just start insulting people. So we're going to see what happens right now. Three, two, one, go. All right. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, it has a lot of spirit. It has a lot of magic. Uh, I think this is the start of one of the, probably one of the most popular and greatest fantasy stories of all time. Is it the greatest movie of all time? No, it's not, but it is very special and it brings a warm feeling in your heart and your, in your tummy. And I, I think everyone should watch it. All right. 26 seconds on that. Yeah. I think, I think for this, uh, to me, it's not the best of the series. If someone were to sit here and tell me that this is their favorite movie, I, I would understand that completely. And, and you know, it, it has something, I'm sorry to cut you off. It's just something to do with like fellowship for me. Like fellowship will always be my favorite because of the way it made me feel for the first time. Sure. I would, I was, it was unexpected. And I was like, I just want to be at the council of Elrond for the rest of my life. You know, with Harry Potter and, and the Sorcerer's Stone, it's like when they're, when those boats are going towards Hogwarts for the first time and you see the sorting hat and you see the rooms for the first time, there's nothing in the other movies that can take away from that feeling. Mm. Right. Of witness, you know, feeling that, you know. Also, another question I have for you guys is so philosopher, is that supposed to be the equivalent of sorcerer in England? No, yeah. the the philosopher's stone is like a, a myth. Like it's it's a real like 
it's the calling something the philosopher's stone is like kind of an indiana jones type thing where it's like the the ark of the covenant it's like okay yeah they changed it for americans yeah because american studios or american i guess publishing companies thought that american kids would be like philosophy gross because <laughs> i was thinking i'm like if those are the, supposed to be the same thing i'm like if somebody goes into philosophy someone's like oh so you're a sorcerer i'm like uh, <laughs> what <laughs> so uh we've talked about uh, fellowship a lot in this movie but let's uh now that you brought that up let's talk about what we have coming up on the show and next week next week is going to be a good one because we are finishing the first time we're finishing a series when we have joe boynton back on the show for Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Will the king return? Mm-hmm. Let's find out. Mm-hmm. Maybe several kings return. Perhaps. Then we go into our double feature of, is it a Christmas movie or is it not a Christmas movie? The following week we have Die Hard. We I've go back to the movie. Rickman well. What's that, Derek? I have not seen this. Oh, I can't wait to talk about it. Should be interesting. And you guys know how I feel about Bruce Willis, so this should be fun. This is why, this movie is basically why Bruce Willis is famous. Okay. Good to know. He's he's got, I mean, there are some good Willises, but he does does tend to coast. Then (laughs) we have our good friend, friend of the show, Katie Swinbeck back on to discuss what I think is her favorite movie of all time, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Up there. That'll be a, uh, that'll be a fun one. Uh, I don't think I've seen that all the way through, which is kind of crazy. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I watch it, I kind of like shut it off halfway through. Not because I'm d- dislike it, just because I'm just preoccupied. Then we have Gia back on the show. Your wife, Gia, Derek, back on the show for our yep, yep, she's my wife. fully, definitely Christmas movie. We will, vacation. We, we, we will both witness her do the entire Chevy Chase monologue at the end when he goes insane. She does it to a T and it's amazing. It's going to be unfortunate for her when I edit that right out of the episode. That not kidding. Well, uh, <laughs> and then we have our final episode of the year. And this is going to be a good one to round out the month of December. We wanted to do a movie that had a scene that takes place on New Year's Eve. And we came up with a movie that stars my Dumbledore, Tom Hanks, and that is Forrest Gump. Lieutenant Diane. Going back to the Zemeckis, our champion, Robert Zemeckis, our fourth Zemeckis that we've done. This will be. Man. Zemeckis sneaking up there. You forget how how prolific and great he is, but. Yeah. Always good to have more Zemeckis on the show. So that's going to be, that's the end of our 2021. And we have some really fun ones coming up. Yes. Jen, I want to thank you so much for this long way that you traveled to be on the show with us today and lovely as usual it's we're always and we will have you back for more harry potter so i mean this is you know while it this movie doesn't necessarily so you're on for six cents you're on for seven and now you're on for harry potter which is an eight movie series so i'm gonna, I'm gonna oh i like how you turn yeah. that yeah there we go i think it counts so i want to thank you so much for listening to this very magical episode of the greatest movie of all time i have been your co-host rick barrasso and I have been your co-host, Derek Reck, the Sorcerer's Philosopher's Stone Reck. The big philosopher Smith. Bo- Bo- Boski. Smith. Smith. Reck. Keep Sorcerer. watching, everyone. <laughs>